This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. Logan Gordon along with you. Off day today for the Calgary Flames. Practice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And they'll be back in action tomorrow. Game two of this three-game homestand against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you want to get a look at those Toronto Maple Leafs. They are in action up the road in Edmonton, getting set to take on the Oilers in a game where you might need your phone to help keep track of rosters on both sides because there's going to be more than a handful of numbers that you might not recognize. Both of these teams have jumped right into the NHL's trade frenzy the last couple of days and made some significant moves. And uh, here to join us to chat about the moves from an Oilers perspective. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. And welcome in senior columnist at sportsnet.ca uh, from the up the road in Edmonton. It is Mark Spector joining us this afternoon. Mark, thanks so much for doing this. How are you, sir? Good, Logan. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks very much. Uh, been a busy uh, 24 hours for the Edmonton Oilers, culminating in a big trade yesterday. Uh, with the Nashville Predators, I guess just take us through the last little while in in oil land and the process that led us to uh, those two big deals for Ken Holland. Yeah, it's, you know, Ken Holland has been a little bit different than, say, a guy like Kyle Dubas who just put Jake Muzzin on LTI, you know, this month. Ken Holland has not had any free space. Like, all his LTI guys were on in the summertime and he spent all that money, so it's been pretty complicated for Ken Holland to try to get a deal done. It's, you know, he has to trade actual players off his roster. So when he traded Jesse Pugliarvi for, you know, some kid in Finland that, that has never played here and dumped that 3 million, we thought, okay, he's, he's something's going on here. And then he makes a deal for Matthias Ekholm that sees uh, Tyson Berry and his $4.5 million cap hit go out the door. So it's, it's a little bit different. It looks the Leafs have done a lot of bringing guys in. Uh, and adding to what they have, the Oilers have had to, you know, they basically sacrificed a, a pretty good offensive defenseman for uh, a very good defensive defenseman, and that's frankly exactly what they needed to do up here, right? Yeah. I wanted to start with the Pujarvi trade market. I know this is a, a tough question that I'm sure lots of people in Edmonton have asked, but why did it never work for Yessi when it came to his time in Edmonton? It's a, you know, if you knew, you'd have fixed it. Yeah. Like, he came over too soon. He should have stayed in Finland. Uh, but him and his agent and Pete Chiarelli, the GM of the time, thought they should bring him here. They did. They didn't spend him to the AHL when they should have. Uh, he didn't, on his end, learn English well enough. He never, you know, buckled down and became comfortable with the language until well into his time here. Um, and then what else happens, right? He's just, he's drafted high, high, high number four overall he's just not a top line player uh, i hate to tell you what guys are going to be because i'm not a scout but he's an nhl player and he's going to play probably 
but he's never going to be a top line player. I mean, unless the sky falls in here and something all changes. So I think I just defined a guy that needs a second chance, right, Logan? Mm. Just to find a guy that that the team made mistakes, him and his agent made mistakes. They're drafting him that high. He was a world junior MVP, came in here with all these expectations, frankly, just couldn't live up to him. Uh, he just needs a fresh start in a place like Raleigh where no one knows who he is. Couldn't be a better place. There's some Finnish guys there for him. Uh, he's in a good spot on a tough roster, but in a good place to, you know, find out what he is as an NHL player, maybe resume his career a little bit here. So with the uh, the moving out of Jesse Pujarvi and his $3 million cap hit, it opens up space for Ken Holland to bring in uh, Matthias Ekholm, a very steady defensive uh, defenseman from Nashville, 32 years old. He's got over 700 games to his NHL career. Mark, when you look at this deal, why was Matthias Ekholm the right guy for Ken Holland to bring into this Oilers group? Well, a couple things. Uh, I think, like I said, they, they really borrowed from their offensive bank account here in Edmonton, which is pretty rich, mm-hmm. right? They're the top-scoring team in hockey. Yep. And they took that capital and put it into their defensive bank account, which is clearly what was needed. Uh, they bring in a guy. You're know, running Duncan Keith here last year, and and he was very good and helped them get to the third round and was an important player. He's gone, and now they bring in a guy like Echo, who's played in the playoffs for eight straight seasons. He's a smart, veteran, psycho-busting guy who can also handle the puck, right? He's a, he's a zone exit king and a zone entry top 26 in the league here. Uh, he's just an all-around good, solid, steady player at the point in his career where there's nothing left for him but to win a cup, you know? He spent his whole career, uh, he's missed 20 games to injury in nine seasons down in Nashville. And he said, you know, on the phone yesterday, he said, Hey, all that's left for me here at my age, I'm 32. I got to win a cup. And he says, I'm happy to be up here because let's face it. Nashville's not winning a cup anytime soon. And the folks up here think they got a shot at one at some point. So he's in the right place. He's the right guy for this group. And, uh, you know, here we go, man. They made their big splash and let's see what happens. From uh, from Ken Holland's perspective, this deal made a lot of sense, Mark, in the sense that Ken's never been one that's liked the idea of trading his first-round pick for a guy that didn't have term. I know he had flirted with the idea in the last week or so that, hey, maybe that was a possibility he's more open to. But at the end of the day, it always made sense that he was going to stick to his guns and go for a guy that would be around for a while. Well, yeah, and, and what kind of guy, too. What you just said is absolutely true, but, you know, let's let's say the other one of the other top defensive prospects out there is Jacob Checker that no one's traded for. Well, the, the knock on Jacob Checker is he's hurt a lot. Well, Ekholm's not. And the knock on Jacob Checker is he's a, probably more of an offensive defenseman, maybe not as strong in his own zone, which is what the Oilers need. Uh, Ekholm is much better in his own zone. So he really, you know, he went into the market. You would You could have got a guy like a... Edmondson, who's a you know got one year left, but his back's no good. You can't count on him. Or you could go for Gavrikov, but he's a pending UFA. He's not coming back next year. So he really I give Holland credit. Like of all the guys out there, I'm not saying he's the best player in the league that's going to move at the deadline. That's not what I'm saying. But he might be the best guy for the Edmonton Orders at the deadline because Ekholm really embodies right. He's he's a veteran guy. He's got playoff experience. He keeps the puck out of his net. He plays the game the right way from a defensive standpoint. He's also six foot four, 
So the left side of your defense has got Darnell Nurse, Ekholm, six foot three, Bolberg. You got a kid named Darnay is about their seventh guy. He's like six seven. Uh, Cece's on the right side. He's six two. Bolberg or uh, Bouchard's six three. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at a defense up here. I'm not saying they're the the 1978 Canadians or anything, Logan. <laughs> but I'm looking at a group that's got pretty good size yep. and a fair bit of skill in there too. Still, I know you guys touched on this with Matias yesterday, saying that he is a left shot D, but would be comfortable playing either side. Where do you see him fitting in most in in this lineup? Best in this lineup, I should say. Is it paired with Darnell Nurse, or is it as the number two guy on the left-handed side? Yeah, I think that's where he'll be. I think his job is going to be to take some. He'll take some of the tough minutes from Darnell Nurse. You know, Nurse Nurse uh, probably he'll be better if you take him from 24 minutes to 22 minutes. He'll be incrementally better, I would think. I would suggest they'll probably play at home with a guy like uh, a sophomore NHLer like Evan Bouchard. Uh, you know, bring the help the kid along. It's been an unstable sophomore year for Bouchard. He hasn't been great. Having a stabilizing force next to him will probably help. So that's what I would say. I would say he'll probably play in the second pairing with Bouchard. But they had an optional skate. It's one of them. They didn't show us anything. So I'm going to show up the game, uh, pick up a, a roster because I don't know who's wearing what number anymore around here. <laughs> <laughs> and watch the game just like everybody else. Uh, what, if anything, would be left on, on Ken Holland's to-do list? Does this sort of wrap it up for this uh, trade deadline, or is there a chance that they might uh, delve into something before Friday's deadline? Yeah, no, he's got like $450,000 in cap space, so if someone picks up 50%, that's a $900,000 player. Yeah. Uh, you know, he could also he could also make a hockey deal and, you know, move a – a three million dollar player or a two point five million dollar player, and bring one back. Uh, he needs to. He could use some depth at forward. He could use someone on the right side. I'm not sure whether he'll make a trade for a better player like a Bertuzzi out of Detroit, or whether he'll settle for a depth guy. Uh, you know, like Lafferty was in Chicago, now in Toronto. But I'll tell you this: I'll be very surprised if Saturday morning dawns and Ken Holland has more than about a buck fifty in cap space left. Uh, he's not leaving anything in the bag, I don't think. Chatting with Mark Spector of Sportsnet, uh, kind enough to give us some time on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Leafs and Oilers tonight from Edmonton. I'm, I'm curious, Mark, uh, I've read so much and you know, paying attention to Oilers Twitter as you do here in Calgary from time to time. It felt like this was a group and a fan base that was yearning for Ken Holland to make some sort of all-in move that, you know, just remind us that, hey, Connor and Leon aren't here forever, and we'd be okay if you go out and spend a first-round draft pick. Just get these guys some help that they so, you know, deserve. Was this a, a message not only to, to the fans, but, of course, that locker room that he's going to be willing to do what it takes to help this group out and make a playoff push? Sure, for sure, and especially when you look around the league and see what everyone else is doing. Like, yes, Dubas made all these moves. You know, Dubas and and his right hand man, uh, his cap guy Pridham. He's he's, you know, they've done unbelievable things here for a team that was supposed to be capped out. You look at uh, you look at Breezebaugh down in Tampa. I mean, he's trading away everything to get a third line player in Genoa. So, you know, everyone looked back at Holland and said, okay, you can't sit here and tell me I'm capped out. It's too hard. Everybody else is doing it. How come you can't do it? 
And he did show the hockey world yesterday that, okay, you know, I might be an older cat here, but I can figure out a way to make an impactful deal. And, yeah, he's – listen, Logan, we – up in Edmonton, they live under this shadow, right? You've got the best player in the world. Dry settles up in two years uh, after two more years. McDavid's up after three more years. You know, you're wasting their years. You know, we've heard it all, right? These mm-hmm. guys are going to want to leave as fast as they can get out of here because the orders aren't good enough, blah, blah, blah. Well, they went to a Western Conference final last year, which isn't bad. And they are an all-in team. You know, this is a team that when they needed a free agent, they signed Zach Hyman on an awesome contract. When Evander Kane was out there for anyone to get, the Oilers got him, and he led the league in playoff goals. You know, they needed a goalie last year. They didn't kick around and wait and wait. They signed Jack Campbell. We can argue if Jack Campbell's the right signing. We can have that conversation. Ken Holland didn't sit around waiting for a goalie. He went out and got one. So he's doing all he can do. There's not a lot left for Ken Holland to do. I'm not saying every move is great. I'm not saying they're going to win the Cup. But what I am saying is you can't look at the GM here and say he's leaving something in the bag. He's not working hard enough. He's not acquiring enough people. He's spending every dollar he's got up here, and he's doing the best he can. If, if that's good enough to win a Cup, it's going to take that. And if, if you, when McDavid and Dreisaitl are up, if this team's got a Cup or near a Cup or in a Cup, it's probably going to help have him stay around here a little bit, wouldn't it? hundred um, percent. The Oilers have lost two in a row. They've scuffled a bit in their last 10. They're still, you know, well within the picture when it comes to the playoff conversation in the Pacific and the West. But I guess when you look at this team spec over the next couple weeks here, as we start to, you know, finalize playoff positioning and see where everybody's going to land, what do you need to see from this team in the next couple of weeks that, you know, really solidifies their spot as to being a playoff contender? Yeah, they need to string some games together where they allow two or less goals. Okay. That's what they need to do. Okay. They really do. Between the goaltending, which uh, Stuart Skinner has been very good. Uh, Jack Campbell hasn't, I'll be honest with you. Uh, a defensive, you know, they've blown some third-period leads this team. They haven't been able to shut her down. They're kind of the opposite of the Flames. Like, they scored more than enough goals. They can't keep it out of their net. Mm-hmm. And I know the Flames, you know, the Flames have their own issues. We don't, I'm sure you're <laughs> going deep into them on your station. But Edmonton needs to look back at a 10-game stretch and see six games where they allowed two or less. That's what they need to do. And I'll tell you right now, if you're the Edmonton Oilers with the punch they have offensively and you hold another team to two goals, you're probably going to win nine and a half out of 10 games. So that's where they need to go. And I guess just a quick word on tonight and the excitement level. We know it here in Calgary. I know it's the same situation up in Edmonton. There's always plenty of blue and white in the stands when Toronto makes their way through Western Canada. And, hey, this has got to be one of the more anticipated regular season games for the Oilers in some time. You've got the Maple Leafs and their playoff push, all their new players coming in. Ekholm is expected to make his Oilers debut. This has got a good, uh, good little juice ahead of this one tonight. Yeah, it's a good one tonight for sure. It's always fun. You know it. Yeah. The Leafs come in. It's just as loud when they score as when the Flames or Oilers score. Uh, the Leafs always win up here. I don't know if they've lost a game in Rogers' place uh, up here. I remember in the in the in that weird uh, all-Canadian season, the bubble season, they came in here, played three in a row, won them all, and walked out with six points. <laughs> it was like, whoa. So uh, they win here. And you know what? The Oilers... You know, it's not lost. Every team's the same. There's a bunch of Ontario kids on the Oilers. 
Uh, Evan Bouchard will take over the league's best power play for Tyson Berry. He's a kid out of Oakville, Ontario. So his debut on the power play is going to be uh, played out in front of, you know, the entire country against the mighty Maple Leafs. There's a lot of juice up here, man. It's going to be fun. I just saw Matthews and Marner walk in the building this morning, and uh, everybody's pumped, boy. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, it should be a great game tonight, Mark. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. I know it's a busy time uh, for everybody this time of year, but thanks for taking some time out for us today. Hey, my pleasure. Call anytime, man. Take care. Mark Spector joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, two major moves yesterday, moving Yessi Puyarvi out to the Carolina Hurricanes. That era ends in Edmonton. It also opens up cap space for them to bring in Matthias Ekholm, who is set to make his Oilers debut tonight. And as you heard from Mark, uh, expecting him to be the number two defenseman on the left side. So despite the fact that he can play uh, left or right side defense, Mark expects him to be, uh, which I guess you'd say your number three defenseman, if you will, uh, as the number two left-handed guy behind Darnell Nurse. So uh, a big addition for the Edmonton Oilers. And as I brought up with him there, I've heard it from Oilers fans, and I've I've said it for a long time. There's a couple of teams that have these core group of guys, and Edmonton's one of them, where I just I can't justify holding on to my first-round pick year after year. And if you're the Edmonton Oilers, Matthias Ekholm is, is just the kind of guy that you need who's got – Great experience. I don't think he's by any means over the hill when it comes to age. He's just at 32. He becomes kind of the senior statesman of that defensive core in Edmonton, but can kind of calm things down and be that shutdown defender that they so badly need in Edmonton. You know, Speck said it there. Goals are never a problem in Edmonton, and they never will be when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But what can you do to help your goaltending and help your defensive core when it comes to stopping the puck and letting less goals in? Going out and getting a guy like Matthias Ekholm uh, is one of those ways that you can do it. So, big price tag to get Matthias Ekholm, but uh, you'll get to see him tonight uh, as part of Sportsnet's uh, coverage of the Leafs and the uh, Edmonton Oilers. A 6 p.m. puck drop on Sportsnet. Uh, it's across the Sportsnet television network. Uh, you can watch that tonight. There's also the Rangers and the Flyers at 5.30. No Patrick Kane in that one. Uh, for Rangers fans, expecting to see him, it sounds as though he'll make his uh, actual Rangers debut Thursday when uh, New York is back at home against the Ottawa Senators. You've got the Coyotes and the Stars tonight, 6.30 puck drop. Devils and Avalanche. Avalanche making another move today. They've acquired Lars Eller from the Washington Capitals. And then your late game tonight on Sportsnet 1. The Carolina Hurricanes and the Vegas Golden Knights. You also got the Capitals and the Ducks dropping the puck at 8 o'clock. We've mentioned some of these uh, trade madness that's happened over the last 24, 48 hours across the NHL. We dove in specifically on the Edmonton Oilers there with Mark Spector. We'll take a big league picture view of everything that's happened the last little while with our pal Peter Klein. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Sportsnet Today is rolling on. It's Logan Gordon along with you on this Wednesday afternoon. I have yet to say hello to my outstanding production trio in the other room. Cam, Taylor, and John along with us this afternoon. Howdy. Howdy, friends. Uh, NHL trade deadline coverage coming up Friday here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Brought to you by our good friends at Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 
and Tuxedo Source for Sports. Whatever happens across the league, we will have it for you first right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, we'll be live at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. If anything breaking happens with the Calgary Flames, we'll hear from the GM uh, throughout the afternoon. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960 on Friday for trade deadline coverage. There might not be much left on Friday based on how many trades we've seen over the last couple of days. But uh, before we bring our next guest in, Cam, you ever have the, there's always those things that you associate with certain people, right? You've uh-huh. known for a long time. And there's always those little things that sort of stick with you. Right. I have one with Peter Klein. What would that um, be? Working with Peter for as long as I, I did was awesome, but um, Pete's always really funny, and there's always these little things that, that Pete would pick up on that I'd find really funny, and one of them is one that he tweeted about uh, just recently, and it's always about when you see these massive NHL trades, and there's just those little footnotes on it, like the New Jersey Devils and San Jose Sharks and the massive Timo Meyer deal mixed into all 10, 15 pieces of that deal. The Sharks also acquire a 2024 seventh round pick from New Jersey. Massive. Huge deal, right? <laughs> yeah. And as we bring on our next guest, LDS Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Peter Klein. Uh, Pete, you're, you've always been quick to point out, and I've always, it makes me laugh every time because you go down that road and you know where I'm going with this, and you go, who the hell decided that that needed to be part of the trade? Like, if you don't include that seventh round pick in 2024, deals off the table. We're not doing any of this. Yeah, I, it started looking at like OHL trades where there'd be 45 draft picks in there. And I look at this, I was like, which one was the deciding factor? <laughs> like, which, which one of these were they hung up on? The 2032 fourth or is it the 2038 seventh? I, I need to know. Um, and another one came up today with the, the Lars Eller trade where 31% of his salary <laughs> is, is being retained. Like, yeah, 32% go die in a fire, but 31%, <laughs> okay, we can do this. Yeah, let's, let, let's lock this one in. Like, I just, those are the little, the, the little things that I just love to know. And yeah, like you said, like there's 85 different pieces in this thing. Who brought up the, look, you have to give us a seventh round pick or I'm hanging up right now. Like, I just, I need to know those things. Yeah, just, it, and I can't, now I always associate with it, with you and that because you always crack me up every time you bring it up because I can't look at, I can't look at the Predators and the Lightning deal and not go, I wonder if that 2024 fifth round pick was really a backbreaker in this deal or not. Like, like Nashville was going to say no to the other six picks if that fifth rounder wasn't in there. I can't. It'll forever be associated with you and those little parts of NHL trades for my lifetime. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've made a, a lasting impact on the, the life of Logan Gordon. Then. Oh, in, in so many ways, so many, so many ways that we can't talk about on the radio. Uh, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. Um, I am. Uh, I mean, there's part like this time of year is so much fun, right? With all the trades and everything like that. Um, getting ready for trade deadline shows was already always so much fun this year. I don't know if it would be easy or really hard because I don't know how busy it's actually going to be on Friday, but if it's not, you have 150 trades that have happened over the last like 45 minutes that you can just run through. So I don't know if like prep wise is, Oh yeah, it's already done. We don't have to worry about it. Or if it's, Man, we talk about these for a week. So uh, I'm I get major FOMO this time of year because I'm not going to be a part of anything. But uh, it's it's always fun to keep track of anyway. Uh, in case you weren't aware, uh, as I brought him on there, the man's voice that you hear really needs no introduction. Longtime voice. You're on Sportsnet 960. 
uh, from Daily Hive and the uh, host of the Couch Potato Diary podcast. It is Peter Klein uh, joining us this afternoon. And uh, we'll get into some of the trades. I, I want to talk to you about some of them because I thought some uh, were just massive over the last couple of days and have a lot of uh, interesting storylines. But uh, you, uh, as always, continue to keep up with the Calgary Flames and you've got uh, post-game shows going through it. And it would have been an interesting one uh, last night, PK. What a what a game between the Flames and the Bruins. And I, I can't help but, in a way, and you're supposed to not do this when you're in media, I get it, but... I couldn't help but feel bad for a Flames team that put one of their best efforts on the table against that team and still came up short in the end. Yeah, it, it really is something we've actually said a bit this year. Like there, there have been times you can 100% question the, the product the Flames are putting out on the ice, but there have been a few times where they outshoot the team, they actually outchance them, and whether it's can't finish because the goalie was hot or your goalie wasn't hot and you end up losing that it feels like just a a really debilitating loss. And last night was one of those nights where it it seemed like the flames checked off every box, except Boston's goalie was better and Boston scored more. And those are still two very important boxes (laughs) to check off um, when when looking at results and the pesky standings and things like that. So no, it's, it's one of those ones where, We've talked a lot about, is this a game the Flames can build on? And I'm sorry, fat face, pit the mute button. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of done having that conversation. But this, this is, you put that type of effort out, you're going to beat most teams on most nights. And it just so happened you ran into the goalie who you weren't going to beat. Um, but it, it really does show how small the margin for error is for this Flames team right now, where one goal gets let in early again. Um, and one goalie is hot, and all of a sudden you have dropped a point in a race that you can't really afford. So, like, there are so many positive things you can take away from uh, a game like last night, but they've put themselves in a hole where moral victories don't really work anymore. You need the actual ones now. But, no, I'm with you. Like, that, that must have been a really tough locker room last night, given how well they played against the best team in the National Hockey League by a bunch. And it still wasn't enough to come away with two very important points. Do you have a clear sense on how you think the Flames should approach this trade deadline? Because I got to be honest with you, man. I I really don't have a good sense of it. I mean, could you convince me with some of the prices for a you know a, a top nine forward if it cost you a a fourth or fifth round pick? I I guess you could convince me that, but. You could also probably find me in the sellers category to some degree too. It's it's an unenviable position for Brad Treliving, I think, heading into Friday's deadline. Yeah, it, it is very difficult, and I I'm kind of of the opinion that they need to like. I don't think you tear it like just completely down to the studs. Um, a, I don't think you could because I think that would involve uh, a deal involving like a Huberto and stuff like that. And I just I don't think you're going to get much value out of that. But I, I think to give up anything future to help propel this team into seventh is uh, a bit insane, right? Like I, 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 the first round pick is untouchable. Like there, there's no way I'm messing with that at this point. And so like, if you can get something for a third or a fourth round pick, then maybe, but I, I don't know if that's going to be the difference maker. Like, I think it's, it's pretty clear last night or from last night that one of the things this team needs is a finisher. Um, I, I don't know if three goals on 58 shots really drives that point home, but it did for me. Um, it seems like this is a team that needs someone who really can just put the puck in the net to oversimplify things. 
I don't know if you're getting like is a, a second or a third round pick prying like a, a Buchnevich out of out of St. Louis or anyone like that. Like I don't think so. So then it's just like the Max Domi, who I don't think moves the needle for this team at all. So to me, I think you get more value out of the seller's market right now because as we're going through this trade market, we're not seeing a lot of names aside from like there's a couple defensemen who would be difference maker, but forwards wise, there aren't a ton of them out there. And so you could kind of be the bell of the ball and have all of a sudden the sexiest names out there come Friday morning and afternoon. If you were to put like a, a Toffoli or someone like that out there. And so if it were me, uh, I think you do kind of a, a bit of a, a cautious sell where there's a couple of guys who maybe you can get some pretty good value for and, but make sure that you still put yourself in a spot where next year is going to be successful for you. Yeah. My biggest thing is when I look at what this team needs, it doesn't get solved at a trade deadline. Like to me, the the bigger problems of, you know, goaltending, having an off year and defensive structure, like that sort of thing. And, you know, whether it is getting Huberto and Kadri more acclimated to Calgary or Daryl Sutter system, whatever it is you want to say, that doesn't get fixed at the trade deadline. For me, you have to be in one camp or the other. You can't have one shoe on both sides of the fence when it comes to trade deadline. You're a seller and you are Washington and Nashville and everybody else getting assets or you're Toronto and Tampa Bay and everybody else picking up things for a playoff run. I think it it sounds oversimplified, Pete, but that's honestly where I stand on it now. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I, I think that the problem with this conversation is there are a few bigger things at play, right? Like I've said from the beginning, I probably wore this line out. Daryl Sutter did not come here to coach the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's just, that that's never been as fun as it would be. I'm sure he would love to have Connor Bedard, but I don't think he would love the losing that it would take to get him unless the flames get remarkably lucky with some ping pong balls. So he, he was not coming here to get this team into a spot where they get a really good draft pick. He was always here to, to try to get this team over the hump. And I'm, I'm sure when he came here, he didn't necessarily envision last offseason with all the changes that had to be made. But when you made those changes in that way, you were pushing this team in a win-now mode. And we know that this is a, a coach that wants to win now. We certainly know that this is an ownership group that is perpetually in win-now mode and does not want to hear about anything about a rebuild or anything like that, even though I think there have been some times in this franchise's history where that would have been greatly beneficial to the franchise. It's just not a direction they have gone. So we can sit here until we are blue in the face and say, trade this guy, trade that guy, trade this dude. Let's bring Ruzichka up as the first line center and really just roll this thing down the hill and see what happens. That has never been the direction that this organization has gone to. And quite frankly, if I'm Brad for living, um, and I'm in the last few months of my contract, whether I'm looking to get a job in Calgary or elsewhere, I don't know if I want to do that with a team that all of a sudden loses like 20 of their last 23 games down the stretch or something like that. So, and if I'm going to be doing that, I don't know if I want to put the team that I'm presumably leaving in a better situation for the future. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of weird things at play with this, where it seems like from the outside, the obvious decision is, yeah, trade anyone you can for draft picks and start this thing over, but that's not the MO of the coach. That's not the MO of the GM and it's never been the MO of the franchise. So what do you do? Um, I I'm with you. Like, I, I think you have to like kind of firmly plan your feet on one side or the other. I would be on the selling side. 
I just don't think the organization is. And so it's, it's always tough for me to kind of, kind of analyze that because if it's me on NHL 23, then yeah, I'm just going down the roster. Fine trade, fine trade, fine trade, fine trade. That That's not how this franchise is being run though. No, no, a hundred percent not. And I like how you mentioned it. That's there's so much more that goes into this and the GM's contract and the future of the head coach and all of that play massive roles in this. And uh, while it's been very clear that, that some teams know what they're doing, I, I think it might be one of those things where we're talking to the last minute. It'll still be up in the air what happens with this Flames team heading into Friday. That being said, uh, as we mentioned off the top, uh, what Friday will actually be still to be determined because even up to a couple hours ago, PK, the trades were still rolling in. Lars Eller to Colorado is the most recent trade, but we've seen a couple days here in a row with massive trade after massive trade. Uh, give me a, at least one or two of these over the last couple of days that have really caught your eye. Um, the Luke Shen to Toronto, like I, I, I really liked what um, Kyle Dubas has done with the Leafs. Um, and that, that, that's not just because one of my bosses is a Leafs guy. Um, <laughs> I've, um, we, we, we have fun making fun of Steve with anything Leafs related, but they, they've had a very good um, trade deadline season, I think. And getting Luke Shen for a third, like I, I remember like conversations that, that we've had, that I, I had with Haley, that Aaron and I had um, for, for those three days where I was filling in looking at the contract for Luke Shen, the market for defensemen, and how little salary cap space anyone has. And you could squint and see a first-round pick going to Vancouver. And so when it was a third on the, what was it, Tuesday before the deadline, I was quite surprised. But for, for Kyle Dubas to get that bit of work done to solidify your blue line with Shen and McCabe, um, to, to help out your forward group with Achari, and with uh, Ryan O'Reilly to be able to check all of those boxes, essentially take nothing off of your main roster and get pretty good value trades everywhere along the way. Like no, at no point has it felt like Toronto's overpaid for anything. Um, so I think the Leafs overall have done a great job. And as much as it pains me to say it, getting Eckholm in Edmonton was a hell of a move for the, the Oilers. Uh, I think that probably would have been my second choice behind a, a Jacob chicken, but oh, Eckholm is such a, a strong defenseman and just, such the exact player the Oilers have needed for about 25 years that it, it just, it made so much sense for, for that one. So um, Canadian team heavy, but those are a couple of moves that, that I saw. That I was like, Oh, those are really smart. Yeah. The, the echo one, I'm right there with you. And I, I thought not only was it a good fit for the player and for the team, but I thought it was just good for, for Ken Holland to send out that message of, Hey, we're going to go in, and spend first round draft picks because that's that's the thing that I've been on this week, PK. Whether it was Toronto making moves or Tampa Bay making moves, uh, you know, joking with the producers, uh, you know, the Kyle Dubas mantra and the Tampa Bay mantra of F them picks lately um, has made me laugh. But at the same time, I respect it like crazy because if you're Julian Breezewah or you're Kyle Dubas, those picks don't do you any good. What is a 20th overall pick? Even in this great draft that we talk about in 2023, what does that do for you? If in three years that guy is maybe, maybe a middle-of-the-lineup contributor, what does that do for Connor McDavid or Nikita Kucherov or whoever? To me, I would love to see more teams have that mentality. And yes, does it seem like a lot of picks for a Tanner Janot? Yeah, it sure does. But if it keeps you in a Stanley Cup contending window because you have a young proven NHL asset that you can cost control for the next two or three seasons. 
wouldn't you give that up for Stanley Cup banner day in, day out? Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. No, I, well, when you are in that win now uh, window, draft picks don't mean a damn thing. Like, the, regardless of if the, the Oilers had their 2023 first round pick, once Connor McDavid leaves and once Leon Dreisaitl leaves, they're probably going to suck for a little bit. Like, that's just how it's going to be. So I, I don't understand why, oh, well, maybe we can suck a little bit less. Like, no, it, it's you have the best player in the world, whether he leaves when he's 40 or in a couple of years or whatever, um, it, it's going to sting and you are going to notice when he leaves. So you may as well maximize the time you have with him now. And um, I, I love it. Like, the, from a Leafs standpoint, with all these years of this Leafs team um, losing in the first round, if they are able to, to break through in whatever that may mean in Toronto Maple Leaf land, are they going to say, yeah, we had a really great uh, playoff, but man, we missed out on drafting draft pick X. Like, mm-hmm. No, that's just not how it's going to be when you have an opportunity to win a championship and it feels so wide open this year. Um, if you are one of those teams that has that opportunity, I think you absolutely have to go for it. And I think that's what's made a really fun trade deadline season is you have um, a, a prize at the end of this for whichever team sucks the worst with Connor Bedard and a few good draft picks after that. Um, so you have a lot of teams who are very motivated to just be awful. And like as good as Boston is, I don't know if like the, their season stats are, but when you just look at these teams on paper and stacking them up in a seven-game series against Carolina or now Toronto or Tampa Bay, and if it gets that far out west uh, of Vegas or Colorado, they aren't so much ahead of all of those teams that why is anyone bothering? Like It, it feels so wide open. Uh, at the top and so motivating on the bottom that you're getting a lot of teams that probably wouldn't be making some of these moves. Like Washington would probably try to hang around and Nashville may try to hang around, but the, the, the carrot at the end of this is just so enticing that it, it behooves you to try to take that plummet down and get as many ping pong balls as you can. Are you as surprised as uh, many have been how the East has seemingly been way more aggressive ahead of the trade deadline than the West has been. I believe if we look at it now, every team in a top three spot in the Metro and the Atlantic have made at least one or two moves to considerably better themselves heading into the trade deadline on Friday, where in the West it's been a little bit more quiet. Has that surprised you at all? It has to a certain extent. Like it's, it turned into an arms race in the East, which has been fun. And like you said, like everyone is just trying to keep off with each other, which led to um, the, the the Bruins getting Dmitry Orlov, who turned into Bobby Orr last night, as everyone has kind of commented <laughs> on. Um, but I, I'm surprised it hasn't out West yet, just because of what I said, where it feels so wide open. Yeah. Like I, I still think when I look at these teams, I would take Colorado over everyone. And I think that they are like really starting to turn it on, even with the injuries they have. And if they're able to get healthy come playoff time, then they're just, I think they're better than everyone. But that door feels open for an Edmonton, for a Vegas. Uh, I like LA taking a swing at it last night with the, uh, the Corpus Allo deal, um, which is definitely not how anyone else remembers it, but that's just how I'm saying <laughs> it. Um, but I, I like all of these teams like kind of making these moves, but the, the West feels so open. I'm surprised there hasn't been a bit more aggression out here in trying to to kind of put your team over the top. Uh, chatting with our pal Peter Klein uh, here on Sportsnet today. All things uh, NHL trade deadline coming up on Friday. Going through uh, some of our favorite moves from the last couple of days. Chatting some Calgary Flames in there as well. Um, one deal that I was really, really interested in 
and was surprised that it, it kind of took this long as I was actually really surprised uh, to see the Leafs go out and make such a bold move in all of their wheelings and dealings the last little while and, and make a trade like the Rasmus Sandin one to Washington. Because if I'm the Capitals, I'm all over that. When you're talking about, you know, retooling on the fly, trying to pick up assets, I think that worked out really well for both teams. All of a sudden, Toronto picks up not only cap space, uh, a veteran defender, and a potential weapon, you know, to use in a first-round pick. And Washington goes, well, we've just let go of a bunch of defensemen, all of Dmitry Orlov. Here's a young guy to go and put into our lineup and hopefully develop going forward there. Those are kind of the deals that get lost in all this because there's not really a big name attached to that PK, but it's a deal that makes a lot of sense for both sides, I think. Yeah, that, that's one that we're going to see a couple of years from now. Uh, Sandine scoring like big goals or making big plays for Washington in the playoffs. And you're going to kind of go, you know, maybe we should have paid closer attention to that one at the time. <laughs> um, because No, you're right. Like it's, it's, it's such a smart move and a smart move, like you said, for both sides, like to Toronto needed to free up some cap space to, to do some of the other stuff they were looking to do. And I don't think they're done. Um, I, I could see them very much in the mix for a goalie now as, uh, Sam Sonov has kind of fallen off and Matt Murray can't stay healthy. Um, I, I could see them kind of getting in the mix. So cap space is just as valuable to them as anything. And then, like you said, getting a first round pick back and, and for Washington, like odds are as much as we love first round picks and covet first round picks, odds are that's probably going to be like the 30th to 32nd pick. Cause it's a Boston selection. I don't know if you're going to have that player get to the ceiling of a Rasmus stand in anyway. So why not um, get a, a bit more of a, a proven commodity that still has a bit more ceiling there? So, no, I, I'm with you. That, that's one that we're probably going to forget about uh, a little bit down the road. But I, I thought a really smart one. And I think it was also smart for the Islanders to, to pounce on Ingvall. Uh, yes. Once again, seeing that the Leafs need to, to free up some cap space, Ingvall is the exact type of a guy that usually makes the type of difference around trade deadline time, right? Like, a, like this year is the anomaly because everyone's trading everything. But a lot of years around deadline time, it's the, oh, it's stupid. They gave up a first-round pick for Barkley Goodrow, but they won the Stanley Cup, so I guess that wasn't that dumb. Um, it's those kind of, like, depth moves. And for the Islanders, they kind of just need all the talented forwards they can get. So getting another one I thought was really smart as well. And you're right, it's those those little tinkering moves. We, we all romanticize um, Ray Bork ho- hoisting the Stanley Cup as this mercenary brought in. But a lot of times, it's just the little tweaks that end up pushing you over the top. Uh, last one, trade deadline related for you before I, I ask you about something else and we let you go here on a on a Wednesday, PK. I, I got to wonder what's going through Jacob Chikrin's mind right now. He was the first name that we got of this trade-related reasons for not playing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I sit here and I feel bad for the guy to make his millions of dollars while not actually having to perform his job. Uh, I, I empathize to the degree that I'm sure he wants to play, but you know, you're still making all of your money. You're still very well compensated for it. But this has kind of been the guy that we've been talking about in the same context as Timo Meyer for weeks now about where he's going to go. And now all of a sudden it just looks like some of these options are slowly chipping away for where he might land. LA gets Gavrikov. Boston goes out and gets Dmitry Orlov. The Oilers, go and get Matthias Ekholm. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of ideal landing spots if you're Jacob Chikrin right now. Yeah, and it feels like um, Arizona has kind of misplayed the situation because I think they assumed Chikrin would be the first domino to fall, 
and then Ekholm and Shen and Orlov yes. and those types would be the ones that like the teams are left scrambling to try to get to. And I don't know if it's just the asking price is too high. There's a lot of discussion as to, to how good of a defender Jacob Chikrin is, which uh, I think those conversations are overblown. I think there's still um, a, a bit of a, a tendency. We see a defenseman who can skate really well, and we just assume, ah, oh, he probably can't defend. Um, and that's, uh, I think, some old thinking. But, no, I, I don't know what it is. But for Chikrin, like, I mean, you're right. Like, I, as someone who's had it happen before, there are worse ways to, to spend your time than being paid to stay home. <laughs> but, um, like, it, it must be such a weird feeling. And now, like, he, he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. It, it almost feels like he's going to need almost a conditioning stint to get back. And if you're a team desperately battling for a playoff spot, I don't know if I'm stoked that I'm getting a dude who hasn't played hockey, like, since January. So it's, it's so weird um, that, like, they, they could be one of the ones left without a chair when the music's playing. I also think it would be bordering on negligence if the Sharks don't trade Carlson. Because there isn't oh. a snowball's chance in hell he's playing this good again at any point for the rest of his career. Like this is such an outlier and maybe other teams have picked up on that. But if you're the sharks, like this is, I think the only time you're going to get to get any kind of value out of this thing. And if they overplay their hand and keep him around, that would be such a misstep on, on their part. But you're right. Like at this point, you look at, at who is left that could need a defenseman anyone bringing in a chicken or, or a Carlson, it kind of feels like those would just be luxury purchases now and not absolute needs. Like what we thought these teams would have about a week ago. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you on the Carlson front. That's one that I'm going to sit there and go, Mike Greer, if you had an opportunity, who cares if you're eating $3 million the next couple of years to, to get picks and prospects at the level that you could have gotten for that guy is, is going to be one of those ones. I think we look back at and just think, wow, what could have been for that San Jose franchise. Um, but before we let you go, PK, I have to yearn back to the uh, experience of your years doing Combat Central with a, a friend of ours uh, over the Sportsnet Airwaves because uh, a pretty big event uh, in the UFC this weekend at heavyweight. John Jones makes his return to the UFC, taking on Cyril Gaon. Uh, I know the UFC is hyping this one up big time. They are all in on John Jones coming back. Do you have the same sort of excitement level for UFC 285 and do you have a belief that John Jones can be the same John Jones that he was after so long out of the octagon um I'm not quite as like I I'm, I'm intrigued to see the fight because Zero Gone is technically so different than any heavyweight we've seen ever um in, in the way that he moves the way he can put combinations together and so I think it's such an intriguing test for John Jones at heavyweight and so from just a X's and O's and looking at it situation um, I, I am so interested in this fight. It's tough for me to get behind a, a John Jones fight because he kind of just sucks at life. Um, That's a bad. He, it's not, a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, he is a bad. That is a great way of putting it. He's a bad dude. Um, and so it's just it's tough to be like, oh man, I can't wait to see this guy who has uh, his Wikipedia page has four sections under failed drug tests and has so many legal troubles that under controversies on his Wikipedia page, there's just other legal troubles that couldn't like this is someone who has had some and it's not just oh yeah he forgot to pay a parking ticket it's like assault there's domestic violence charges on here there's hit and runs there's just so many awful things with this guy that like he is the most talented fighter i have ever seen but i I cannot put the goat status on him because i mean a 
he got popped for drug tests when at points it was just an IQ test, like Chael Sonnen said in an interview this week. Um, so, like, just don't be dumb. But it's just <laughs> That's such a good line, too. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. Um, but, like, he, he's just – he has been so detrimental to everything. He should – this should be – I don't know if you guys are still getting me. I got you here, um, yeah. Okay, um, I'm getting the emergency alert thing on yeah. my phone. Um, he um, he has been so – I felt like it's just super hot take here. Uh, <laughs> he, he's been so um, all over the place in his personal life that it's tough to get behind him. But, yes, from a, a strategic standpoint and from just an analyzing fights and who is the better fighter, which is something I will always gravitate towards, this is going to be a blast. I don't think we see the John Jones of old, and that's because we haven't in a while – like, the Dominic Reyes fight was not impressive. He had a split decision loss to Tiago Santos, who I don't even think is in the UFC anymore. Um, Anthony Smith's a commentator now, and he needed all five rounds to beat him. We haven't seen, like, peak John Jones in about five or six years, and now he's moving up to a weight class he's never fought before to face a type of fighter he has never fought before. I, I, I just feel like everything kind of stacks up against John Jones, and this could be one of those things where it was like betting against the Patriots in the 2000s where the second you watch a moment of the game, it's, oh, I made the wrong choice. But I just think that John Jones is going to have a tough time with this now. BK, you're the best, man. I always appreciate uh, you coming on and giving us some time to uh, to chat. I always appreciate it, pal. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, enjoy trade deadline on Friday. We'll check uh, sometime soon, hey? Yeah, hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. Always fun chatting with you, buddy. Take care, PK. Peter Klein. Uh, Primetime Klein joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You know him. You love him. A longtime voice here on Sportsnet 960. The fan works for Daily Hive, host of the Couch Potato Diaries. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Primetime Klein. I think we definitely got interrupted by an emergency alert there. Uh, Yeah, just a test. That's going to happen. It's a test. Everyone's okay. Uh, The zombie apocalypse is not here as of yet. Yet. Uh, But let's get out of here. Uh, Yet. Exactly. There's still time, Logan. Things will happen for sure. But uh, not today. Not today, friends. Uh, thanks to Primetime Peter Klein for joining us down the uh, Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hot- hotline. Uh, Mark Spector joined us as well in hour two to chat all things Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, Peter Labardi is chatting the Flames and the Boston Bruins. That'll do it for Sportsnet today. We will hand things over to the ultra-talented, always on time, ready to go, Haley Salvian for Hockey Central 960. She's got you for the next hour. Hockey PDO cast is coming up with Dmitry Filipovich and Flames Talk with Pat at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Thanks to our outstanding production trio of John, Taylor, and Cam. We'll be back tomorrow on a Calgary Flames game day right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.